We're walking with Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And this morning, we're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. And we're going to be looking at a very key phrase, a very key verse, a section of verses of where Jesus, we get the first instance of him praying and the significance of that and what that means for us as well. Um, you know, whenever you go to the circus, if, if you still have the circuses around or anything like that anymore, um, but in, in the olden days, we would always see um, the, the lions and the tigers and, and the guy that would go in uh, to work with those animals, he would always go in and, and he would have a whip with him, but he would also carry something else. It was a chair or a stool, and, and I've always wondered, what was the purpose? Why would you take in with you a, a stool? I mean, I would want a gun with me, uh, maybe the whip, but if anything, why a stool? Well, I did a little bit of research, and uh, if you want to Google it as well, you can. Not during the message, you've got to wait until afterwards. Um, but uh, the reason for this was that when they would thrust it at the lion, and the lion would try to focus on it, um, it, could, it would try to focus on all four legs of the stool. And this would actually confuse the lion and get it to obey. The whip was only there for a distraction, but it was truly the stool that gave them um, the, the needs uh, to, to overwhelm them, uh, to overwhelm and tame uh, the lion. So here's what I want us to look at this morning. Well, why do I bring that up? Well, what we need to do is to prioritize a place for prayer and preach in all places. Well, we need to make sure that we're not distracted by everything else that's around us. Too often, we find all kinds of things in our lives that distract us from truly being able to focus. It could be our Snapchat, it could be looking at our Facebook feed, our Twitter feed, uh, scrolling through all kinds of just videos that we, we find. That There's so many things in this life, sports, our jobs, everything seems to distract us and we try to go a million different directions. Well, what I want us to do this morning is to focus in and to place a priority on prayer. Now, as we go through the, the book of, of Mark, we see Jesus in constant motion. He is in forward motion always. And we know that Jesus lived only 33 short years um, on this earth, but he only had three years that were of his ministry. And so he had to prioritize the time that he had, the days and even the hours, even the minutes that he had on this earth, and one of the things that he wanted to make sure that he focused in on was prayer. So right after the calling of these first four fishermen that we talked about last week, Jesus goes to the synagogue and he starts to teach. And we read there, before we get into verse 35, that he performs in the Gospel of Mark his first miracles. And one of the miracles that he performed at the beginning here is the healing of Peter's mother-in-law. Now, some scholars actually say that that is the reason that Peter eventually denied Jesus three times. I tease, I promise. Uh, I know my mother-in-law's watching this, and she's already commenting as we speak. Um, so let's dig in, and, and let's read Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. We read, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. 
Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, I I believe as we dig into this scripture, there are four fundamentals of faith that are demonstrated in the life of Jesus that we need to apply in our lives as well. And the very first one that that I see here is that we need to start our day with prayer. That, That is where our focus needs to start. The moment that we roll out of bed, before we even get out of bed, we need to start with prayer. In in the Gospels, we see Jesus praying some 25 times. We see three things about Jesus' prayer life from this passage that I want to point out to you. The first one is that it was planned. It wasn't just spontaneous prayer. And and here's the thing, we need to have those spontaneous prayers. If if something comes in to our mind and and it's hit our heart, it hits our heart, we need to stop and we need to pray at that moment. But the thing that we learn about Jesus here is that it was planned. It says very early. It means exceedingly early. The the time reference uh, that Mark places here during this uh, is the fourth watch of the night. This is somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m. Jesus got up exceedingly early. Now, there's precedence for early morning prayers in many other scriptures. We go back to the Old Testament and Psalm 5, verse 3, and it says, O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. Psalm 119, 147 says, I rise before dawn and cry for help. I hope in your words. You see, when we pray early, we get our marching orders for the rest of the entire day. We need to start, we, we need to have a plan, and we need to start our day with prayer. The second thing that we see here is, is that it was private. Jesus went away. He, he got up and he didn't wake any of his disciples, and, and he just wanted to get away to a private place. The word solitary is the same word that is used for wilderness. It means lonely and deserted. In, in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, we read, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. So let me ask you, do you have a private place? Do you have a place where you can just get away from everyone else? Where the TV's not on, where the kids aren't screaming and fighting, where you can just spend time alone with the Lord. Jesus encourages us to find that private place. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, we read, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. That is exactly what we need to do. We need to find that place. Maybe it's walking outside. Maybe it's going and sitting beside the stream or the creek or just the pond, getting away, finding a place that that is private that you can just spend alone with the Lord. The third thing that we see here is that it was prolonged. The tense of the phrase, where he prayed, means that he continued in prayer. This wasn't simply a a, a real quick prayer, you know, um, dear Lord, thanks for this grub, amen, and, and then he just moved on. Like, he spent time 
in prayer. Now, we're not told what time the apostle or the, the disciples came to find Jesus, but we know that they didn't get up at three o'clock in the morning either. So there was a prolonged period of time where Jesus just sat there and he prayed and he talked to his Father in heaven. In Luke, Luke chapter 6, verse 12, we read, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. Listen, since the Lord Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? I mean, he is the Son of God. He had a direct connection with the Father, yet he still found time to get away, to pray in private for a prolonged period of time. In John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus declared his dependence on the Father. Jesus said this, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord. Perhaps you think you're too busy to pray. I, I remember hearing from Charles Stanley once, I'm too busy not to pray. And how true that is. We need to just stop and prioritize our life and say, Lord, I'm going to give you this time. I'm going to get up exceedingly early in the morning when no one else is stirring, and I'm just going to give my time over to you. D.L. Moody uh, once said, we ought to see the face of God every morning before we see the face of man. Now, in today's culture, we may say we need to see the face of God before we see our Facebook feed. We need to prioritize what's really important to us. Tony Campolo uh, told about being in a church out in Oregon when he was asked to pray for a man who had cancer. Campolo prayed boldly for the man's healing. The next week, he got a telephone call from the man's wife. She said, you prayed for my husband. He had cancer. Campolo thought that when he heard that the past tense verb that he had cancer, that it had been eradicated. But before he could think much about it, she said he died. Campolo felt terrible. But she continued, don't feel bad. When he came in to church that Sunday morning, he was filled with anger. He knew he was going to be dead in a very short time, and he hated God. He wanted to see his children and his, child, his grandchildren grow up. He was angry that an all-powerful God didn't take away his sickness and heal him. He would lie in bed and just curse God. It was an awful thing to be in his presence. But the lady said to Campolo, after you prayed for him, a peace and a joy came to be with him. The last three days have been the best days of our lives. We sung, we laughed, we read scripture, we prayed. Oh, these have been wonderful days. And I called to thank you for laying hands on him and, per, and for praying for healing. And then she said something incredibly profound. She said, he wasn't cured, but he was healed. So let's make sure that we start off our day with prayer. 
And then secondly, let's stamp our lives with faithfulness, not popularity. Peter and his peers sense that Jesus has become somewhat of a sensation. So they started to panic because they looked everywhere for Jesus. They looked all around the house, and the houses weren't that big back then. The, the, the town that they were living in at that time of Capernaum, as we've talked about, wasn't a huge metropolis of a city by any means. So where in the world did Jesus go to? And they were scared to death. Look, look at verse 36. It says, Simon and his companions went to look for him. It has the idea of pursuing earnestly as when hunting. The idea is that Jesus is making a huge mistake. I mean, it was their job to bring Jesus back. They were all his managers, and, and he had a gig to prepare for, and, and you can't be late. I mean, think of all the celebrities today and all of the people that they have surrounding them to make sure they're on time, and, and if all of a sudden they just disappear, I mean, it's pandemonium. That's exactly how these disciples felt. I mean, Peter and all of the rest, they were scared to death because where in the world did Jesus go to? And... and the people, I mean, today would be like, hey, let's get a selfie with Jesus. Like, that's what they wanted. And they wanted to produce Jesus so that he could continue to do so. This is what we see in verse 37. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. It's almost as if they're scolding Jesus for getting away and praying. I mean, kind of ridiculous, but how often do we see that play out in our lives today? I mean, they're amped up and even annoyed. They can't understand why Jesus would be hiding out when everyone wanted him to help them. We live like that in our culture. We admire the popular people simply because they're popular. We celebrate the famous because they're famous. The disciples liked that, that Jesus was admired, and, and in many ways, they felt a little popular as well because they were surrounded by him or they were surrounding him. But Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't care about his popularity. He wanted to know about faithfulness. Philip Keller writes this about Jesus. He was more interested in the quality of the people's response to him than in the quantity of the crowd. Here's the thing. I don't want Stafford County Christian Church to be the most hip church, the most popular church, uh, that, that we're setting new trends on the way that worship directors are, are dressing, that the way that pastors have the cool new haircut. Um, I'm going to keep it short because I don't want to get up and do it first thing in the morning. I want to be able to put a hat on and not, not go all over the place. I want us to be a church that longs to have the Holy Spirit at the center. That we are being faithful to his word and to his people. That's who I want us to be as people of Stafford County Christian Church. We don't need to crave fame. We need to be faithful. And that's what we need to do here today. Be faithful to his word. Share the gospel with everyone that we come in contact with. Are you trying to fit in with the people that are around you or are you being faithful? Will you stay committed or will you compromise when our culture comes at you for what our church stands for? 
Will you bail or will you believe? Start your day with prayer. Stamp your life with faithfulness, not popularity. And number three, strategize to reach other places. Don't you love how Jesus says and, and does things that totally strip their gears? I mean, the disciples expected Jesus to say, okay, let's go back and, and let's get this crowd riled up. But that's not what Jesus does at all. In, in verse 38, we read, let us go somewhere else. I mean, Peter and all of the disciples, they come and they find Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, um, you need to get back because there's a huge crowd and they want to hear you. And he says, um, let's go somewhere else. Wait a minute, there's a huge group of people, Jesus. We, we need to go back there. And Jesus says, no, let's keep going. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Oswald Smith wrote, No one has the right to hear the gospel twice where there remains someone who has not heard it once. We need to be doing a better job of sharing the gospel with those around us. It's not just about allowing people to, to pull up and, and to hear the word. And, and listen, we need to do that. But once we've heard the word, we need to then take the word. That, that, that's up to us. We need to continue in forward momentum. The moment that we hear the gospel, we then need to get out there and share the gospel as well. We talked about that last week with, with Levi. When, when, when we talked about Levi, that was the thing. He was right there. He accepted Jesus. He got up. He followed Jesus. And then what's the first thing that he does? He throws a party. For who? Christians? No. For sinners and tax collectors. And that's what we need to do. We need to make sure that once we've heard the gospel, that we get out there and we share it with those that are around us as well. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you, without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. It's up to us. We need to get out there and spread the word. You know, when, when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, he had longed to get to Rome. But the really awesome thing was, he says, hey, I'm going to get there. And the people in Rome, they wanted Jesus to show up in Rome and then set up camp, or Paul, to get to Rome and set up camp and then stay there. Paul's missionary journey was going to take him to Rome, but then continue on, and his plan was to go to Spain. Paul's journey was going to be to, to continue all the way. You know, one of the um, disciples that gets a, a really bad rap, Doubting Thomas. We all know Doubting Thomas, but what you may not know about Thomas is is Thomas is one of those disciples we don't hear much about. Once we get into the book of Acts, we don't hear anything about him. But what we have is in history, it tells us that he actually made it all the way to India preaching Jesus Christ crucified. He says, I won't believe unless I see it with my own eyes. You guys are telling me you've seen it, but unless I see it, then I'll believe. And everybody goes, oh, Doubting Thomas, Doubting Thomas. He's the one that took the message the furthest. He went all the way to India. Jesus cares for every community because he loves every single life. And that is what we need to do as well. 
I, I love what Jesus said. He says, let us go. Isn't it really awesome that Jesus invites us to go on his trip with him? He says, let us go. Not I'm going and you guys are going to stay back. Hey, there's that crowd. You go talk to them. No, he says, let us go. He's invited us to go on mission with him. Jesus calls us to prioritize a place for prayer and to preach in all places. Romans chapter 10, starting in verse 14, we read, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Are we willing to take the good news to those who have not heard it? We're determined to take advantage of every opportunity to share the gospel message to help our missionaries who are right here locally and who are around the world who are down in new orleans who are in uh, mexico who are in india who are in england we want to help our missionaries continue spreading the word and we need to be doing it right here at home as well. The Apostle Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and, and I'm going to read just two verses for you, but if you read the entire section, he, he talks about the fact that he goes to everyone, and he becomes all things to all people. And this is what we read. That's exactly what he says. After he talks about to the Jew, I become like one that's under the law. Um, and, and, you know, he goes through that whole list and he says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. He knew that not everyone that heard his message was going to give their life to Christ. And you may be one of those that go, Travis, I'm, I'm tired of being rejected it hurts. I don't like it. I don't either. And the Apostle Paul didn't like it either. Even Jesus, when, when he had spoken to the crowd and they all turned and they left, Jesus looked at his disciples and says, what about you? You gonna leave me too? He understood that not everyone was going to accept the gospel. And Paul here, he says, I become all things to all people that I might save some. We have to be willing to put it all on the line. So here's what we've learned so far. First, start your day with prayer. Second, stamp your life with faithfulness, not popularity. Third, strategize to reach other places. And that leads us to our final fundamental of faith. Stand on gospel preaching. Whenever Jesus went, he was committed to preach the gospel. While he performed miracles, according to verse 39, the main reason was that the good news could be spread to all of those that were around. This is what we read in verse 39. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. It's likely that um, this preaching tour could have lasted a, a month. Jesus just went, and he went through all of the villages, and he just shared the gospel with everyone that he came in contact with. You see, the message is more important than the miracles. 
The miracles got everyone's attention so that they could hear the gospel message. But it wasn't the miracles themselves. It was the gospel that Jesus wanted them to fully understand. Those in the first century were, were shallow. They were self-centered and, and focused on the sensual. And, and they weren't really interested necessarily in everything that Jesus had to say. That could sound like today, right? The message of the good news is more important than anything else. The, the miracles were used to draw the people in, but that wasn't the main reason. The main reason was that they could, so they could hear the gospel message of who Jesus was and why he had come and that he was planning to take away their sins. We go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and, and Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. That's what we need to be about, to spread the gospel message, to make sure that everyone has the chance of salvation not everyone's going to accept it, but it's up to us to make sure we're sharing it with those that we come in contact with. Here's what, here's what I want you to think about. I really want you to contemplate how you can prioritize what you care about. Will you start your day with prayer? Will you be faithful? will you be willing to go to other places? And here's the thing, when we talk about that, and you heard me talk about all of the different missionaries, and as a church, we've went to different mission fields, and I plan to do that again soon. But here's the thing, to be a missionary, it could just be talking to your neighbor that you're like, ah, I don't like the way he cuts the grass, and I've never talked to him, and I've turned him into the HOA three times, Maybe that's your mission field. Maybe it is serving at serve with their food drives. Maybe it's helping the mops group put together the bags to take to um, our healthcare workers. It's stretching yourself outside of your normal comfort zone. And make sure that we are standing on solid preaching, gospel preaching. So how do we take all of this and put it into action? I have just two quick action steps for you this morning. Simply put, we need to have a quiet time every day with the Lord. We need to have a quiet time every single day with the Lord. At least one. If you can, if you can have other times, two, three, four times, that's great. But prioritize that there's at least one time that you will just focus in. Have that quiet time with the Lord. Simply put, you will not grow if you do not develop the discipline of having uh, a daily time with the Lord in prayer. There are two big things to accomplish in a daily appointment with, with Christ. The, the first one is to talk to God through prayer. And the second one is just as important, and that is to hear the voice of God. Now, how do we do that? It's by just digging into his word. 
each week, I, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm hoping that you're receiving these. If you're not, let me know, and I'll make sure that you receive the emails. But each week, I'm sending out kind of a, a, a weekly reading plan of what we're going to be focused on for the upcoming Sunday. And I encourage you to make sure that you're reading that section of Scripture. And here's the thing. You don't have to read an entire book. You don't have to read an entire chapter of the Bible. Just focus in on the three, four, five verses that we're looking at for that week. Read them over and over and over again. Allow God to speak to you through those words. Determine to do it. Schedule it now. If you don't schedule it, it won't happen. Make a post-it note. Put it in your calendar. Make sure you have those reminders. Set that appointment with God. Psalm 143 verse 8 says, Let me hear in the morning of your steadfast love, for in you I trust. Make me know the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. The second action step that I have for you is to strive to have one gospel conversation this week. Just one. Every week you've heard me lay this out to you for the past year. And you're going to continue to hear me. Who's one person that you can share the gospel message with this week? Who can you share the, the live feed with. I, I was so thrilled. Last Sunday, I, I saw that we had seven shares, which was awesome, that you are sharing it with your friends and your family and your coworkers and whoever else is on uh, your, your Facebook. Thank you, and I encourage you to continue to do it. But if only seven shared and there were over 50 people, there were a lot that, that didn't share. And so I'm challenging you Maybe that's the way in which you can have a gospel conversation. That you can invite them to sit with you on the 7th. To come and to worship with us in person. Jesus is calling you. It's up to you of, of how you're going to heed that call. And as we wrap everything up and we prepare for communion this morning, if there's a decision that you need to make, if your decision is, hey, I, I need to accept the Lord for the very first time, I want you to know that you can do that right now. You can put it in the comments. You can email me. You can call me, message me. I would love to talk to you and walk you through those steps of what it means to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you need to place your membership here at Stafford County Christian Church, you say, hey, I want to I serve. This, this is my home. This is my family. I want you to know that, that, again, you can reach out to me in one of those ways, and, and we can talk about what it means to become a member and what that looks like. Maybe you just need prayer. Whatever it is, reach out to me. Reach out to one of the staff, one of your elders. We would love to be here for you however we can. So as we prepare for communion, I want to read one last scripture for you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 26. Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. 
do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Almighty Father, we thank you so very much. We thank you that we have been able to come to you. Lord, we know that this is difficult circumstances. We know that there is so much going on in the world that is trying to keep us from being in your presence. But Father, we thank you for the gift that we have of your Son. That Lord, no matter where we're at, what's going on in our lives, that, that we can just pause and worship you. Father, that we can take all of our burdens that are in our life and we can lay them before the foot of the cross. Father, that you carry them for us and that we need to leave them there. And Father, as we prepare for communion, I thank you for the gift of your son. Lord, that your son died the death that we should have died. Father, I thank you that we can come to you no matter what is happening in our lives, that we always have this direct access. We pray this in your son's most holy and precious name. Amen.